listener, and welcome to another episode of We Read It One Night. Today, we have a very special episode where Allison interviews Allison. Allison Cochran, that is. Rachel is still on her dissertation hiatus, but the two Allisons had a lot of fun this episode and discussed some pretty cool stuff. So enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to We Read It One Night. I am so excited to be here with um, my fellow Allison in crime, Allison Cochran, (laughs) the author of The Charm Offensive, which was the first book that we did this year. Uh, Welcome, Allison. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited uh, to meet another Allison who spells it with one L. Yes, I was going to say, Rare breed. I, you know, I don't know how involved you are in like the Allison one L versus two L <laughs> rivalry. Listen, I know we've sort of touched on this sometimes in the past, but like, I think I mentioned this when we did the charm offensive, I was like, she is a, a kindred spirit because she spells her name correctly. Allison with an L is the only one that was always a first name. Allison with two L's was a last name first. So technically it's not like a real name. <laughs> no slander to, you know, Allison. That's what my parents used to always tell me when I complained about the spelling of my name is they were always yeah. like, this is the correct first name spelling. Yeah. That's why my mom is, um, Eastern European, where they spell everything phonetically. So my mom's like, I'm not adding extra letters in your name. That's absurd. <laughs> like, why would I do that? But yeah, so it's lovely to have you here. We, like I said before, we were big fans of the Charm Offensive. Um, we were a big Bachelor fan. I will probably be watching this week's episode with my mom after we record nice. tonight. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're watching this season. This <sighs> I took a break. I was yeah. pretty disappointed with the no offense to Clayton as a human being, but I was pretty disappointed with the choice to make him the bachelor. And so, uh, and after, you know, I think they did like a year straight of continuous content and I was feeling a little bit burnt out. So I decided this was my, my break season. So I haven't been watching just following the memes and staying uh, abreast of important scandals (laughs) involving shrimp, but otherwise I know nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I also, this was, you know, I was like, we had a great top four and instead you chose this man, but I thought it was funny because he, he did kind of remind me of Charlie in (laughs) the charm offensive. Like it's sort of the same description. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get a beautiful queer love story out of this, (sighs) but, um, unless there's some sort of like, Jesse Palmer's Clayton's father, like, you know, <laughs> drama going on there, because I wouldn't be surprised at all uh, if that turned out to be true. But first of all, I wanted to ask this is very random, but Dave in The Charm Offensive, mm-hmm. yes. we listened to the audiobook. We're big audiobook fans, and the audiobook says a Dave, but I've heard other people say Deb, and there's obviously like Dev Patel. So, mm-hmm. which is the which is the way you pronounce it? So- it is Dave. Um, okay. And the reason it's pronounced like correctly in the audiobook is that like the the person who does his reading, so Vickis Adams, um, is like Indian Canadian. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he was like, Yeah, let's like pronounce it the the non-anglicized way. So like Dev yeah. is like an anglicized version of the name. Okay. Um, but it is pronounced, yeah, Dave. So like E makes like a almost like an A-T-H sound. So yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's like Dave, like it has mm-hmm. there's like a little bit of a accent. On yeah. It. As yeah. opposed to like, you know, Dave, the guy that like coaches your kids, like softball team, like Dave, <laughs> like D-A-V-E. Um, yeah. It is pronounced a little bit different. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. So throughout, I also wanted to, well, you know, talk about things that aren't just the bachelor or name pronunciation, but I thought we could play like a little game throughout. And some Ooh. of these are listener suggestions. So it's basically fuck, Mary kill. Do you know Ooh. that you know, fuck, Mary Carol? Yes. But because I love a theme, I have renamed it tiara puzzle dungeon so that it's like ever after theme so like Ooh, tiara okay. is, is fuck because that's what that's what the bachelor is for okay, um cool. and then puzzle because you know dave and charlie puzzle mm-hmm. that's mary and then dungeon okay. is specifically maureen's dungeon <laughs> that's kill so like perfect all right tiara yeah. puzzle dungeon. okay i think it's in there Okay. All right. And I'll, we can do refreshers. It's the same. It's just, I tried to keep it in the same order. Unfortunately, no one died. I mean, fortunately no one dies in the charm <laughs> offensives. There is no uh, good correlation, but yeah, I tried to make it on theme. I love um, it. And I know I just said, we're going to move away from bachelor stuff, but I thought just like a fun icebreaker for this one would be a bachelor themed one, love which it. is Chris Harrison. Ooh. Jesse Palmer, who, for those of you who are uninitiated, is the new host of The Bachelor and also a former Bachelor, and Caitlin Bristow. Oh, that's so incredibly hard because um, I would like to both Tiara and Puzzle with uh, with Caitlin Bristow. <laughs> um, so that's uh, tricky, I guess. Oh, um. I know nothing about Jesse Palmer. Um, he's just a very, he's a bland, muscular white man. Okay. But I'm going to assume that he could like fix things around my house. Maybe Probably. Um, he might have that skill. So I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll pause with him okay. um, for, for practical home improvement reasons. <laughs> um, Altiera, Caitlin, and then I will kill Dungeon, Chris Harrison. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Good. Good job. Very much agree. Yeah, I agree. I would. I would like to do more than throw Chris Harrison in a dungeon, but that's a conversation <laughs> for another time. <laughs> um, and we'll do one more for now. And this one is like queer themed. So we have some queer icons of Hollywood, Kristen Stewart, Tessa mm. Thompson, and Kate McKinnon. Oh my it's gosh. A I hard one. That is so rude. I can't put <laughs> any of them in the dungeon. That is cruel. Oh my gosh. Um, you could pretend, I feel like in this case, maybe we could pretend it's like a sex, it's like dungeon, a sex dungeon or something. Yeah. Like it's sort of kinky, you know? Okay. I mean, I think, all right. So oh, as painful as this is to, to make this decision, um, I think that I would tiara Kristen Stewart. Okay. Fair. Um, okay. She's also like getting married. Um, and then I would pause with Tessa Thompson. Um, cause Tessa Thompson is, she's just like wonderful. And I love her <laughs> and I'm so sorry. I'm going to put Kate McKinnon in a dungeon, but like, that's a really tough choice. Cause obviously I, I love Kate it's McKinnon. Hard, yeah. And I feel like Kate McKinnon would become like some sort of, she'd become the dungeon dominatrix. like somehow with also like like, comedy skits maybe it's like yeah maybe it's like a dungeon where like I go when I need to be cheered up and she like tells me jokes and makes me laugh so maybe it's like a like that still sounds horrifying um but uh (laughs) maybe slightly less horrifying I mean it is my you know I I personally am not someone who likes having like a private performance where it's just me and one Mm -hmm. other person like if someone were to write me a song and sing it to me privately worse horrible so that does sort of sound like a dungeon scenario you're right that is the biggest that is the worst fear is like the singing a song directly to you when you're alone I yeah 
I agree. I'm like, if you, if you want to write me a song, you know, send me an MP3, like send me an email. <laughs> I'll listen to my own time. And then I can text you. That's like an acceptable scenario. Best case scenario is that you just don't write me a song at all. And I don't have to deal. With <laughs> <laughs> I know that was why I never understood the appeal of jet, uh, on was that Hannah's season of The Bachelor? Oh yeah, and, the like singer, the uh, one who had a like, girlfriend. Always, yes, and yeah. he was always like pulling out his guitar and serenading her, and I was like, "Ugh, not hot! Don't do it!" No, no, dislike, thumbs down. I would like to take back the rose. No tiara yeah. for him. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a fun little icebreaker. I'm gonna bring that back at like random moments. We're gonna play more of this. Um, we got like a lot. Some of our listeners went like really crazy with suggesting. Oh, um, I love just it. sending so like excited. 20 different things. We're not gonna <laughs> do all of them, but some of them are just very, very fun. But yeah, so you know, we kind of talked about speaking of you know, queer Hollywood icons. This is Charm Fence is obviously a queer romance. You're a queer writer. We have your next book, Kiss Her Once for Me, coming out, right? In the fall, which you posted today, like a fun graphic with a bunch of descriptions of it. And that was like very rude because I had to work today. <laughs> and instead I like was reading all of, it was like second chance romance, like a Bill Pullman lesbian, like what is this? But so, you know, you are sort of, coming up as a debut author because the charm offensive was her debut in this I would say like this new era of queer romance that I guess sort of started I would argue with like red white and royal blue and is now sort of like booming so you know how have you sort of like how do you see the queer romance space like changing like how like where do you see like your place in it or like what are you trying to like do specifically for queer readers and writers and all that Oh yeah, that's a great question. So I think uh, for me too, one of the first exposures I had to queer, like queer mainstream queer romance was Red, White, and Royal Blue. And one of the things I learned after reading that book is that I didn't realize there were like tons of people writing queer romance. Mm -hmm. Um, It just was happening more at like smaller presses or indie Mm -hmm. presses um, or it was being self-published. And I think Red, White, and Royal Blue kind of helped uh, one, create because the rom-com is a new like book genre. Right. And so we haven't had the romantic comedy in book form, um, for very long. You know, we had like Sally Thorne's hating game and Jasmine's wedding date. And so that was kind of the first like big queer romantic comedy. Um, and I, I feel like that has been really cool to see this really successful subgenre within romance. We're Mm -hmm. getting all of these, um, queer rom-coms. Um, and so I, I love that, but it does feel like it's relatively new that the mm-hmm. uh, representation in uh, mainstream romance and especially like, you know, these queer rom-coms that have been happening for the last like three, three years or so. Yeah. Um, and so I think that the number one thing I'm excited for is just more stories mm-hmm. um, and more diversity within those stories, hopefully, uh, because you know, if we look at like mainstream queer romances, uh, a lot, like most of them are by white authors mm-hmm. like myself. Um, we don't have that many trans stories. Um, mm-hmm. we had Anita Kelly's love and other disasters, which is a book that I love. I and uh, there's an upcoming, Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, chef's kiss by TJ Alexander, mm-hmm. which features a, a non-binary and trans protagonist. Um, but overall, like I'm, I'm just excited for there to be more of these stories and more diversity within them. I think for me personally, um, in terms of 
what I hope to kind of add to the romance genre. Um, I mean, I love being able to write romance stories that feature mental health as like a, a big part of the story, uh, mental health and, and sometimes mental illness and, and neurodivergence. Um, and so I like being able to write stories that uh, characters kind of have those intersecting identities, both their, their mental health and with mm-hmm. uh, their queerness. And so I'm excited to continue writing more stories like that, that are hopefully also like funny and fun, yeah. right? So, cause I think, you know, as someone who lives with, with depression and anxiety, um, I also want to see stories of people just, you know, living um, their lives yeah. and still getting their happily ever after. I also really like writing stories where like characters are sort of navigating their queer identities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean necessarily always writing coming out stories. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think for a lot of people, the charm offensive um, is a coming out story. My next book, Kiss Her Once For Me, is is very much not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, but I still really like stories where we get to see uh, characters kind of grappling with their queer identity on the page. Mm-hmm. Because for me, um, that's still relatively new. I've um, only been out for about two years. And I think too, that like, I see my my queer identity as being pretty like integral to all aspects of who I am as a person. And so I like to, I like to see that in the stories that I read. I like to see that reflected. Yeah. Yeah, no. And that's something that I really sort of like about this new era of romance is like, is showing queer people and showing neurodivergent people and showing people with, you know, various mental health issues that, that we get happy endings, you know, and, you know, we always talk, you know, obviously representation is a huge discussion everywhere. not just in romance, but like in all genres and all media formats, but I think happily ever afters and love stories and like joy in representation is even more important because like, you know, I don't want to read another book about people like me being sad. You know, I, I, I like people being happy or, you know, like they can be sad, but they, they ultimately, you know, get to live a fulfilling life. Yeah. And that was something I know that you sort of like the writing of the charm offensive was sort of like part of your gender and sexuality, like exploration and, and, you know, sort of discovering where, where you were like on the spectrum. Um, and that was something I really appreciated with Charlie was that he like, you know, he doesn't have a label. He's just like, I'm queer and I'm going to figure it out. And if I never like have a word, then that's fine too. And so sort of how is that, do you want to like speak a little bit to, you know, how, how writing the charm offensive was like important to your own journey? Yeah. I mean, it, like, it sounds cheesy, but definitely writing this book is kind of what enabled me to come out. I like to think Mm -hmm. that I would have figured that out and like been able to go through that process without it. Um, but I think it would have taken a lot longer. Whereas, um, in writing this book, it kind of helped me realize that it was something I needed to figure out. Um, and like set me on the journey of, of figuring that out because I knew I wasn't straight, but I had kind of suppressed that a lot, Mm -hmm. um, and had tried not to deal with it and had kind of coped, um, by staying very busy with work, um, and kind of neglecting all aspects of my mental health. And then writing this book kind of helped me confront that head on. And so really like I, I wrote this book and then, um, it still took me 
Like I wrote the first draft of this book and then I gave the first, I like printed the first draft and was going to give it to my best friend. And I was like, and I'm going to come out to her. I'm going to tell her I'm not straight. Like it's going to be great. Um, and then I still didn't come out to her for like another nine months after that. Yeah. So that didn't, that didn't quite happen the way that I had envisioned in my head. Um, mm-hmm. it turned out that that was like a harder journey than I expected it to be, especially considering, um, you know, I'm really fortunate, uh, to live culturally in a place where I knew mm-hmm. that, um, I was going to be accepted. And then to also be in a family where I knew, you know, when I came out as gay, that I wasn't going to face any resistance or, or hardship at all. And so, and it was still difficult. And then in terms of like exploring the asexuality spectrum, that was something that happened more organically over time. As I was writing drafts of the book, um, I put a lot of myself into Charlie as a character. He, mm-hmm. um, has a lot of me and, I kept revising it and exploring like his potential, like asexuality and like demisexuality more and more. And I, it kind of became the way that like, I got closer to figuring out a label that I felt comfortable with. And honestly, you know, a big part of why Charlie doesn't arrive at a label in the book is because at the time that I put my pen down and finally stopped editing it, I wasn't quite sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, it's probably, I'm probably dummy, but I don't know. And I'm, and so I just kind of left it open-ended because that is, that's where I was at the time, you know, back in whenever I finished editing early 2021. That's, I mean, that's like, I don't know. That's really just like as a reader and, you know, sometimes like a writer's romance, it's really amazing in a lot of ways to sort of hear like how writing and particularly writing romance can be like a means of of self-discovery, you know, in, in all aspects of our life. And that was, you know, for, you know, for me too, reading romance, you know, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a line in let's go back to red, white, and royal blue. There's a line in which, um, the main character, oh my goodness, what's his name? Alex. Alex. Yes. Yeah. I could only remember David Bowie. And I know that's not, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you know, someone who's not bisexual probably doesn't think about, you know, yeah, whether they're but- bisexual is what they probably don't like think about whether they like the same The line. Yeah. The line is like, straight people he thinks probably don't spend as much time convincing themselves they're straight. And I remember reading that and being like, oh shit, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, I, I was... read that line. and was like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> no. I was like walking in the park and I just like stood still and I was like, well, shit. <laughs> this yeah. was, this was a call out post, like specifically for me, like in this book. Like, uh, yes. Yeah. It was a brain blast. Okay. We're going to play another round. Okay. I'm ready. Of Tiara puzzle dungeon. Okay. All right. We're going to go with a little bit of an easier one. This is not queer themed. Okay. This is okay. <laughs> Spaghetti, angel hair, pasta, and linguine. <laughs> this is a oh listener suggestion. Honestly, this one is even harder um, <laughs> because I have to like distinguish food subtleties. Um, I guess I'm going to say like, uh, tiara linguini, puzz with spaghetti and dungeon angel hair pasta. Okay. I think I would swap linguini and angel hair pasta. You would. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, so I used to be very anti-angel hair and then I accidentally bought it once sometime during the, my many pasta days during the pandemic. And I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> okay. All right. Good yeah. to know. I just feel like I have never eaten it. So yeah, I... it's just like super thin spaghetti, I guess. Okay. Thing. Yeah. All right. It's angel hair. I don't know why angels have thin hair. I would they think angels thin... would have like flowing locks, but you know, mm-hmm. that's a question for 
somebody <laughs> else. Okay. One more. Are you, so this is also a listener suggestion, but I want to check first. Are you at all familiar with Gilmore girls? Oh yes, of course. Okay. Yes. So the question is Jess, Dean and Logan. Oh, okay. So this is a little bit easier. I would Tiara, Dean, mm-hmm. Mer- uh, Puss, Jess and Dungeon, Logan. For right. sure. Oh, you're not, you're not a Logan fan. Oh no, I am not a Logan fan <laughs> at, at all. There's been, I mean, there's, I've, I've heard, I feel like people, yeah, there's, there's always been a consistent like dislike of Logan. And then recently I feel like there's been a resurgence of like Dean hatred. I feel like, I don't know. Dean has like, Jared, like he just seems like a nice man. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like he is, would be very sweet. So I can sort of like picture him. And that helps. Yeah. Whereas like Jess slash Milo Ventilator, like that's the peak right there. He's the full picture. Oh yeah. Like, absolutely. You're like (laughs) 16 year old bad boy dreams. Yeah. He's yes, absolutely. I mean, even now I, I don't watch this is us, but I, you know, get Facebook ads for it. And even now I'm like, he's still got it. (laughs) He's still got it. Like 15 years later, however long it's been. (laughs) Okay. So we sort of, you know, we obviously talked about like you know, queer identity and how identity and romance are interacted, but a little bit sort of lighter questions about that. Um, what was the first queer romance that you ever read? The first queer romance I ever read was Red, White, and Royal Blue. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I feel like that's a lot of, I mean, I guess like if we're talking like, not to say real romance, but like real yeah. adult genre romance versus like young adults. Um, if we're I talking feel like, like YA can count, we can count YA. Oh, okay. For counting YA, I think, I think the first one I ever read was Dante and Aristotle Seven Secrets of the mm. Universe, or maybe, um, and I, I get fuzzy. It might've been, I'll give you the sun by mm. Jandy Nelson, which also but, features uh, a queer love story in it. Um, yeah. and both of those were like, I was in my like mid twenties. Um, and I just remember like, that in both stories, you know, though they were about like male characters, I was like, I related and connected with them so much. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, it's because I'm such a good ally. Um, <laughs> and it just took me a little bit longer to, it took me a few more queer stories to realize that was not the situation. It's always, it's always the pre-queer awakening. I did a lot of theater in high school and I was like, no, I just have a lot of queer friends, but you know, I'm just the one straight person. No. Yeah. But looking back, I'm like, you are a fool <laughs> you are a beautiful little fool <laughs> but first queer you ever read what is the most recent one you oh, have read I like just finished today reading um count your lucky stars oh oh by um Val. Oh. Ba- so I'm so bad at names <laughs> yes no it's okay Alexandria Bellafleur yes uh, and so it was, it was the something last one pretty. in Mm-hmm. it's so pretty it's like a, yeah. if that's her real name like she's so lucky um <laughs> if that's a pen name like perfectly crafted yeah but yes so I just like finished listening that to that today as I was like getting ready so yeah that is my most recent nice and then what's one that you think besides the charm offensive obviously what's one queer romance that you think everybody should read <sighs> you can also you can do like top three because I know like asking okay yeah pick top books is Cruel. That's so hard. I mean, I do <laughs> like obviously red, white, and royal blue has like such a soft spot in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do like really love that one. Um, I also would say, um, 
Oh my gosh, this is so difficult. I love Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall. Mm-hmm. I think that like, if you love just like funny books, that book just like got me through such a terrible depressive episode. And I, yeah. it's such a special place because of that. Um, I also love Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert. Yeah. Uh, and so I just, because yeah, speaking of books with like autistic protagonists, like Eve Brown is such a, yeah, that book was very impactful for me. Um, but Danny Brown is so good. And then um, last one, I just read recently, um, Delilah Green Doesn't Care by Ashley Herring Blake. Yeah. Uh, and I just really like that one too. I'm very, that one doesn't come out till next week, right? It I comes out, read a- yeah, no, it does. Yeah. It comes out like a week from today. So. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I today is, we're recording this on February 15th. So it's going to yeah. come out. The book is already out now. You can get Delilah Green Doesn't Go Care Go get it. Now. It's amazing. I have it. Yeah, no, I was thinking I was, because I was thinking of the title. I have it on like on hold at the library and it's like, it's just got the, it'll be available in a week. And so I'm very jealous of your ability to get advanced yes, copies. It was so good. Yeah. The cover of Delilah Green Doesn't Care just looks like. Oh, it's so, so beautiful. It's yeah. flawless. Yes. I'm I'm in love with it. And I mean, sapphic romance in general, I mean, like you were saying, you know, a lot of the early romance that you read that was queer was gay romance or like men and sapphic romance is now, I feel like just starting to sort of have like its own moment. I know like you're like, you're obviously coming out with one this year and, you know, we just listed several. So like, that's really exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited. I think there are so many, in terms of like, we're talking mainstream adult romance, I think there are more sapphic books coming out this year than there are like MM books. And so I am just very excited about the the wealth of sapphic romance coming our way. Yeah. And I I feel like that's like the first time that that's happened, that, you know, it's gone. Yeah. And don't quote me on that statistic because that was made up. So that was not real. That does not like come from publishing. That's just like, Like, well, my uh, publisher me. (laughs) Me thinking of the list of of books I know that are coming out. And I just feel like we are really fortunate this year. We're going to get so many, I mean, we've already had, you know, count your lucky stars was like an amazing sapphic romance. Delilah Green comes out, is out people listening. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, it's just, it's a good year for for books about women falling in love. Yeah. Speaking of sapphic romance, one of the sort of big, and I don't know whether you've read it. I feel like it's like before, you know, kind of this year, it was sort of like the big sapphic romance was the lady's guide to celestial mechanics by Olivia. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a historical, so different subgenre, but I feel like that one is always like every time I would ask, cause I'm a, I'm a member of several very random romance reader Facebook groups. And every time I go in there and I'm like, Hey, I want some sapphic romance. That one's always one that gets recommended. So have you read that one? And also would you ever write like a queer historical or like another subgenre besides sort of contemporary? I have read that book and I love it. Um, Olivia Waite is great. I haven't read, she has another sapphic historical book I think in that same series. Yeah. She has two others. It's like, it's the Karen feeding something about bees. And then the third one, I am blanking on the title, but it's a heist one. Yeah. I'd have to look. Uh, yeah. I'll look at the titles and, but um, I haven't read the other ones yet, but yes, I read the first one, ladies guide to celestial mechanics and loved it. Um, I would love to write other subgenres aside from romantic comedy. I mean, I love reading all kinds of different genres yeah. as long as I do like 
I'm one of those people who always wants a love story, no matter the yeah. genre. Uh, so that's me. <laughs> but uh, I don't know about historical. Like, I want to write a historical romance, but the truth is, I hate research. It is mm. not my favorite part. It does not speak to my soul. And so, and there's so much research involved. So if I could find a way to like write a very low research historical <laughs> like queer romance, that would be yeah. that would be a dream come true. Because yeah. I have no idea what like people ate in 1812 or like, you know, I mean, I've read Jane Austen, but like, that's the extent of my, of my knowledge. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah. You know, if you ever want to write like, like shifter you know, <laughs> fantasy, queer romance, just like, give me a shout out. I, okay. You know, I will let you know. I, I would love it. And our, our listeners are like weirdly really into like the few monster books that we've done. Oh, so uh, really, I follow, like, I don't know if you follow romantically inclined on Instagram yes, just no, to give I her a shout her. out because like her content is so amazing. <laughs> um, and I like never read monster romance partially. Cause like a lot of it is like straight. Um, yeah, very. but like every time I see her content, I'm like, I should get into monster romance. <laughs> um, she really sells you on it. So oh, yeah. I, I'm very, very into all of her videos. Yeah. So keep us on the, I will look up. I will take this as a confirmation that your next book after kiss her once for me is monster be, romance will be a monster Obviously. romance. Um, you're probably like already most of the way through writing it. Um, so you're going to have to do a lot of like <laughs> redrafting I'll just um, I'll just change it right as of right now it is not a monster romance but I can see I'll just uh I'll fix yeah. it I'll yeah. write you like a a podcaster's version of like a doctor's note for your editor <laughs> of like hello please excuse Allison from writing her current book she's gonna write this other book because I asked her to <laughs> excellent yes I'm sure that'll go far yeah yeah no okay let's I mean you know Solve it's all my worth problems. a shot yeah, yeah. I'll set, I'll like CC your, the publisher. It'll be like, it'll be great. The marketing team will be in there. Um, they can get started on some like <laughs> monster graphics for you to share. <laughs> it'll be great. Okay. So bum, I feel like I should have come with a theme song, but like burr, 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 another round of all right. Star puzzle. Dungeon. Torture me again. With okay. tough decisions. So are you a Marvel fan? Are you like familiar? Are you familiar? I am with- familiar. Okay. I am. I am familiar again, speaking of like things that are very straight. Um, the Marvel cinematic universe, like I get that people love it, but like, it's just yeah. like, I can only watch so many, so many of them. Yeah. Um, all right. But hit me, I can, I can make this choice. Some of these are a little bit like, at least in fanon, they're very, they're like queer characters. So Captain America, who's often part of I'm familiar. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Captain Marvel, who like, I personally had can as like our lesbian icon. Love Um, it. And then specifically Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Okay, this is going to be controversial. Um, <laughs> I I would tiara Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, I would puzz with Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And I would dungeon Tom Holland. I mean, he's like a child. So yeah, in my no, defense, he's he, a little... he is a high school student. Um, yeah, he oh, and you're a high school teacher. So that's like yes. a, a whole extra yeah. layer. Yeah, he and Zendaya are cute, but um, they are their babies. So I'm really yeah. sorry, Tom Holland's Spider Man. Yeah, I know you are beloved. You know, you can you can rely like Zendaya will probably come like rescue him from the dungeon, mm-hmm. and, like so he won't be there for that long. You're so know? right. Yeah, she's yeah badass. Of course that'll happen. So yeah, yeah, I feel good about the choice then. Thank you Great. for that reassurance. Yes, yes, ha- happy to ha- always happy. To have- <laughs> 
All right. There's another queer themed one. Okay. With a few icons. RuPaul. Okay. Aubrey Plaza. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Ramirez. Hmm. <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry. Again, um, I am going to Tiara, Sarah Ramirez, Puzz with Aubrey Plaza and mm-hmm. Dungeon RuPaul. And I know, like, such an icon. I feel really guilty about it. Um, like he would start like a, or she would start like a drag, a drag show in the dungeon. In the dungeon. Things would work yeah. out okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to assume everyone like thrives and lives their best life in this dungeon. <laughs> they can all just party together, eat some angel hair pasta. It'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. Like this is actually, this is turning actually into a pretty lit dungeon. And now I kind of, yeah. Like... Kate McKinnon is there cracking jokes. Like it's, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. We got like entertainment. We got, you know, exactly. Ooh. The dungeon is seeming more and more appealing. Appealing. <laughs> <laughs> more and more. Okay, so in a book-themed one, okay. paperbacks, hardcovers, mm-hmm. or audiobooks and audiobooks. Oh, okay. I guess I would tiara audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I would puzz with paperbacks and I would dungeon hardbacks. Yeah. You just can't, you can't like. They're not comfy. Maneuver them. Yeah. You can't stuff them in your purse for like a subway mm-hmm. ride or something. No. And audiobooks are just too amazing. I don't know what I would do without audiobooks yeah. in life. Yeah. Audiobooks are like the the neuro, the neurodivergent book format of choice, I feel like. I, I don't know where I would be. <laughs> I just like love. Yeah. Especially like I, my attention has been, I've struggled so much to read physical books and eat like yeah. ebooks the past couple months. And so really, I think. It's been like graphic novels and it's been audiobooks. And yeah. that's kind of been my primary way of of being able to consume stories. So yeah, no, when I first I first started reading Roman, and that was the first time I really started reading again. And I was an English major. So that, you know, I feel like yeah. the English major pipeline is, you know, you just hate reading by the time you graduate. But yeah, in, in March 2020, at the very beginning of the pandemic was when I started reading romance. And I for that year, I read books with my eyeballs. And mm-hmm. 2021 me and 2022 me is like on that, you know, two times speed audiobook yes. train. Like it's got to be sped up. They just speak too slow if they don't. I- I'm honestly really proud of myself. I finally got to to two times speed. I was nice. at like 1.5 for a really long time. Mm-hmm. That was as fast as I could go. Um, and then I feel like I finally have transcended. And I've I'm just like, you know, I'm real proud. I just started, I finished Count Your Lucky Stars on yeah. uh, two times speed. And then I just started These Violent Delights by Chloe Long. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm the last person on earth to read that book. Um, I haven't but, read it. So okay. you got, you're in front of All me. Right. <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, I used to love teaching Romeo and Juliet. And so, mm. uh, yes, but I'm listening to that on 2.0. I'm like, I'm amazing. Look at my brain it. processing so fast. Yeah. Yeah. I love Romeo and Juliet. I'm scared of Romeo and Juliet retellings because I, my serotonin levels need a happy ending most of the time. Mm. Yes. I mean, it's like ridiculous, but in a fun way, especially when reading it with, with high school freshmen. So, yeah. Do you have, did you have them, um, like acted out at all when you were teaching um, Shakespeare? We, I mean, we read the whole thing aloud. So we always did like reading aloud mm-hmm. sort of like readers theater. Um, and then sometimes they would act it out. And sometimes it would just depend on the group of students. Like yeah. you sometimes like would get groups of students where like, it was clear that they would love that. And other times, mm-hmm. it, you know, we did other projects to kind of 
captivate their interests. Yeah. I think one of my most memorable experiences from high school English was when we did Beowulf and like two people got up in the front and one of them had like a, some sort of monster costume that my teacher had pulled out from her closet and they did like a literal like wrestle on the floor during the fight scene. And it was very bizarre, but very memorable. That sounds amazing. I love that. I love that your the teacher just like had a costume. Yeah, uh, she just like pulled it sure out from under like, desk. Year after year for yeah. this Beowulf reenactment. <laughs> I don't know. That's I like that's one of the reasons that we like I personally, I don't know about my sister. God knows what's going on in her head. But um <laughs> <laughs> she's I, she's doing smarty pants person things right now by writing her dissertation so she's not thinking about romance but for me writing for me doing this romance podcast was very much like I like you know introducing people to to joy and like various different books that that they can sort of read and so you know I don't know where I was going with that you know I just sort of like I liked it anyway I wanna, yeah. thank you I liked that <laughs> the, journey I was with scene. you yeah it's hard too you know especially like in the year that I've been out of the classroom, we've seen this huge increase in the challenging and banning of Mm -hmm. LGBTQ stories from schools. And although I live in a, you know, a really like overall liberal area in the Pacific Northwest, I live right outside of Portland. um, I I don't think that I individually would be impacted by that censorship um, as a teacher, but it's just really hard to see that happening yeah. uh, because I know the importance of, of students having access to queer stories. Um, yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's really tough to, to hear about. And so definitely yeah. something that weighs on my mind is even being outside of the classroom. Right. No, it's, it's scary to see, you know, because I don't know what I would have done like as a kid, if I didn't have characters and books that felt like me and that felt authentic and, and, you know, sort of, were a safe space in a lot of ways. Um, and that's something that I think romance is in general for a lot of people, like a safe space. I think there's, there's yeah. a reason a lot of people started reading romance during the pandemic. And it's because, you know, you needed something to sort of be, com- be comfort and, you know, be warm and like a fire and a blanket and a mug of tea and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know for me with anxiety, like I don't want to read anything where I don't know how it's going to end right now. Oh. Like I, if that requires a lot of like stress and when there's so much uncertainty in the world, it's so comforting to pick up a book yeah. where like you don't know all the beats, but you do know that like it is going to have a happy ending and you can kind of trust that that will be the case for the characters. And so, yeah, yeah I find that to be so reassuring. Yeah. Every once in a while, I don't know how much you get involved in it on Twitter. I really try to stay away from it, but every once in a while, there'll be like the do romances need happily ever afters. And then the non-romance readers will be like, you're trying to exclude us. And I'm like, well, that's it. We're just telling you that this is what the genre is and you can still write a different book. But yeah, I'm like HEA or get the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I stay away from Twitter. It's a scary place, generally speaking. Um, But yes, I know that that like conversation comes up all the time and it sort of boggles my mind Um, because yeah, I think that uh, again, I think it's a disrespect to to romance readers because so many of them show up for, um, for that comfort. And, you know, I'm also someone who like rewatches the same television shows over and over again. Right. Like sometimes you just need to like 
have that yeah. comfort watch of, of knowing how things are going to turn out. And so I think that's an important part of, of the genre. Yeah. And I mean, no one ever goes after Agatha Christie for revealing the murderer <laughs> at the end of all her books. Like, oh, so predictable that the murder was solved. <laughs> it's like, that's so what true. the genre is. Or any, yeah, any mystery yeah. or any like thrillers. Like yeah. if you ended the thriller without like explaining whatever, I don't read thrillers. Without so the I was twist. Gonna, I don't yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> if I was going to try to explain it, but like you wouldn't read it and then be like, oh, no explanation of it. That's it. And I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. So why don't we talk a little bit about like your writing process? I've heard that you are a Swifty and that you like listening to Taylor Mm -hmm. Swift. Yes, I do. So are there any songs that sort of are your writing anthem? Um, I think it just depends on what I am writing. And so I do listen to like a ton of Taylor Swift. I listened to so much Taylor as I was writing, um, the the charm offensive and a lot of times like I like because like I love Taylor because I can just put her on and mm-hmm. I can still write while listening to her music um but I also have certain songs that I would listen to like just that song on repeat during certain mm-hmm. scenes to help me like get into the right headspace during my current book kiss her once for me I've been listening ex- almost exclusively to evermore because I just like feel like evermore is actually a Christmas album um, <laughs> or at the very least a winter album and tis yeah. the damn season is like such a perfect like Christmas so I just listen to tis the damn season like on repeat as I'm nice. writing certain scenes nice so we have, so my sister is I like Taylor Swift my sister is like a, a Swifty TM um mm-hmm. And so she, I asked her to, to come up with like some theme songs for the charm offensive. Uh-huh. So she has one for Charlie, one for Dave, and then one for like their relationship. Oh, I love it. Okay. Oh my gosh. I I'm wanted so to get like your take on, you know, cool vibes. Okay. Bring so Charlie's theme song is call it what you want. Ooh. Okay. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. She was very much like analyzing the lyrics. And I woke up one morning to like 150 text messages from her <laughs> of like being like, well, this has this lyric and like, this feels more like Charlie and this feels, more, you know, and yeah, I was like, it. I applaud you. I, I really like to listen to the lover album. And that's <laughs> my, my sort of Swifty experience. Um, and then Dave is love story. Taylor's version, obviously. Yes. That one I 100% agree with. That is the song I listened to the most while writing that book. Mm. Um, in fact, like in a like very original version of the book, there was a scene where they sang that song and it like had lyrics from Love Story. And then my agent had to be like, girl, you can't afford this. Um, <laughs> and so I cut the whole scene. Uh, but yes, that one, I think like perfectly encapsulates him as a character. Yeah. So. Well, listen, if you ever figure out a way to like, in like a newsletter or something to like release that deleted scene, I'm sure. Oh, okay. I don't know whether you're allowed to do that if you like release it for free. So yeah, I don't know. I don't, either. Know. I don't know what don't the know policy what the is on that. Yeah. Copyright is. law says. Yeah. You know, let me just like BRB. I'm going to get a law degree. I'll come back yeah. to you. I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then for their relationship, she had Enchanted. Ooh, love the it. Whole thing. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So those, those are, are excellent choices. Our Taylor Swift Charm Offensive playlist. And I wonder whether you can, this is a lot of pressure, so feel free to say no, can give a playlist for Kisser Ones for Me, like uh, the two Ooh. main characters and then like their relationship. Oh my gosh, that's so hard. That is not what I was expecting you to ask. You could just um, do like I their relationship. Or like- I love it so much. Um, I don't know. So I, 
the choices I'm going to pick are going to sound so angsty. Um, and so it's going to make you think that like, I did not write a rom-com, but, um, <laughs> I'm going to say for the main character, Ellie, um, back to December, um, Ooh. I'm going to say for the love interest, her name is Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say cowboy like me. And then for their relationship, I'm going to say tis the damn season. But again, that makes it sound real dark. Um, I I don't, my not. favorite rom-coms are the ones that are just like very secretly <laughs> ang- in between jokes. You just like cry. A little yeah. Bit. Like, and that is, know. there's like a lot of, it's a, it's a high angst book. Um, but I, I just haven't thought of like fun examples yet. No. Um, <laughs> those are the ones that like fit the actual yeah. of, of the book, which takes place in, in winter. So I love that. I'm intrigued. I'm like even more intrigued now than I was. But speaking of kisser ones for me, you know, it's a sapphic holiday rom-com. So, you know, be honest, was this happiest season like reparations? Because <laughs> I know. So there are like three sapphic Christmas rom-coms, like adult Christmas rom-coms coming yeah. out this year. And it does seem like all of them would be in response to happiest season, but because of how long like book writing takes, So like I started writing the book in June of 2020 Mm -hmm. um, and then happiest season came out in like November of 2020. And so um, it did not start as like a response to happiest season, but definitely like that came out and just in terms of, yeah, what I, what I want for my like holiday sapphic rom-com. Yeah. Listener for those, for those of you not familiar with the disappointment that is happiest season, (laughs) um, it starred Kristen Stewart and Aubrey Plaza. Unfortunately, Aubrey Plaza and Kristen Stewart are not the couple and they should have been. And that's really all you need to know about that. It is shocking. It was just, I remember I, I, I texted my roommate who's also queer, who had like, she'd already watched it. As soon as I finished watching it, I was like, what the fuck? What, what was that? What is this? <laughs> Very disappointing. Yeah. But I am looking forward to reading your book and then the other ones that are coming out yes. to sort of like soothe my queer. And they're, soul. yeah, it'll just be nice. They're, uh, yeah, Courtney Kay's In the Event of Love and Melinda mm-hmm. Greer's Season of Love both come out and are both like sapphic holiday rom coms. And then Timothy Janowski um, has, uh, an MM Christmas rom-com mm. called You're a Mean One, Matthew Prince. And so- I saw um, that one. That title makes me laugh every time. <laughs> it's so good. And the cover is just like so cute and perfect. Yeah. I'm obsessed with that book. Yeah. yeah. And so there'll be a lot of different Christmas rom-coms um, yeah. or holiday, like queer rom-coms to choose from. Yeah. Um, slash you should read all of them, obviously. Yes. Yeah. I'll link them all below. I'll link them below. Listen, Perfect. So you'll be able to find them. And I feel like as someone who's like a huge- you know, I, I love Hallmark Christmas movies. Like they're just so light and delightful, but they're all so straight and white. And so I like, you know, I want that vibe, but with queer people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, it's exactly like the bachelor, right. Um, mm-hmm. where the bachelor seems to exist in this like weird parallel universe where like queerness doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, and it's, cause it's like, it's so heteronormative, like to this yeah. just like incredulous degree. And I feel like Hallmark Christmas movies tend to be the same way. Um, yeah. It's as if, yeah, somehow there's an endless supply of like straight people to fall in love on Christmas yeah. tree farms, but 
Uh, yes. And to save people. their like grandmother's bakery on me. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So many straight people are doing that really important holiday work. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, are you, are you telling me that like, there are no gay people who own a cutesy bakery or like a butch lesbian who owns like a Christmas tree farm and wears flannel all the time. Like you're telling me that those don't exist in abundance. Incidentally, those are characters who exist in two of the Christmas oh. rom-coms. So, so like my, my butch lesbian character, her like is a baker, like a pastry chef and her yeah. dream is to open her own queer bakery. And then in Courtney Kay's book, um, she's not a butch lesbian Christmas tree farm owner, but she's like a bisexual yes. Christmas tree farm owner who like wears flannel. So, um, so like my we're out here trying to singing, correct that, correct that oversight yeah. for sure. <laughs> I love that. I love it so much. I'm very excited about it. You have, we've talked about, we'll talk about kisser Woods for me. I have, you asked this question when I sent, so listener, I sent Allison a, like a list of just like general topics I wanted to chat about. And the last one was this topic. And Allison very kindly emailed back and was like, I have no idea what this is. Can you please explain? And it was because I, asked her to rate kiss her once for me her next book on our cat scale and if you are a long time listener you know what the cat scale is if you're not we have an episode on that that is four minutes long and you can go listen to it but obviously you can't give us any spoilers for your book but could you rate it on the cat scale yes i've been giving us a lot of thought you <laughs> told me that you rated charm a three on the cat scale right mm-hmm. um because you and said that was again of- not like a we didn't like it just like, no, no, I'm cool with it. I liked it. Yeah. Not a lot of cat energy, definitely a lot of dog energy, um, which made me realize I do tend to write, um, dog energy characters Mm -hmm. more than cat energy characters. But I think in Mr. Once for me, the main character, Ellie, like has just like hella cat energy. So like, she's definitely a cat and not a dog. And then one of the like main side characters, um, also they have like real strong cat energy. So mm-hmm. like, I would say that this one is like, like a six, maybe I, was, I, I would say it like doubles the cat energy. Of okay. Overall. Okay. All right. That's exciting. I like, uh, we have Christmas cats. Like that. Yes. I mean, but better. to be clear, there are no cats in the, actual no, 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 no. Yeah. Unfortunately no, I am a dog person. The character, okay. the, she has yeah. a dog. So is there any, like, is there like any growling or like hissing, you know, like, or like mewling? I really like that. Like, I think if you can write a romance novel where nobody mules, like good job. I feel like that's like obligatory. Right. Yeah. Um, Right. So there has to, I'm yes. I like, we'll have to reread my scenes, but I'm sure that somebody like mules at some point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, curls on like a kid. My favorite description is a lot of times like women after they orgasm. It's like, she was boneless as a kitten. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. I don't know what that means. Kittens have bones, but yes. Yeah. Uh, I guess like slot. I don't know. Uh, yeah. You flop. Yeah. <laughs> I accept yeah. it. And then I, I on. yeah, I'm yeah. here for whatever yeah. imagery people want to use. Um, as long as like yes. someone gets their clit stimulated, like I don't really <laughs> care, you know? <laughs> yes. So I would say, I would say like maybe a 5.5, Okay. To a six in the cat. All right. Scale. All right. Yeah. So we got double the cat scale. I mean, that double is double the cat energy. Yeah. That is exciting. And I feel like it makes sense not to, this is going to sound very stereotypical, but I feel like sapphic books are generally more, have more cat and have more cat energy than MM books. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, my love interest, 100% dog energy for sure. Yeah. Um, but my, is that the, 
Bill Pullman lesbian yes, character. Yes, the Bill yes. Pullman lesbian character. <laughs> which, like, I don't know. I, like, said that offhandedly in that interview with Entertainment Weekly. And now I'm like, oh, they, like, made that the headline. So I guess I have to, like, <laughs> now constantly talk about Bill Pullman. Um, yeah. I wish Bill Pullman would, like, reach out. We could, like, partner up some kind of promotion. Write a blur, uh, like, I approve. Yeah, this well, is, in I, fact, me is- in lesbian form. <laughs> yes. I would really love that. That would be great if we could just get that quote on the cover. Yeah, I mean. I'll have my people reach out to his people. But yeah, (laughs) yes, that character, dog energy. Her brother, right? Because the the fake dating trope involves the brother. Also dog energy. All right, all right. Lots to think about. I'm going to like take the Taylor Swift playlist. I'm going to take the cat scale and I'm going to like ruminate over them for like the next nine months or however long it is the book comes out. I'm going to like fret my answer to the Taylor Swift question, um, forever. And so that will haunt me. I will have to come up with a a better answer. This one, this episode comes out March 1st. So if any time in like the next two weeks, I'll print a correction. You're like, I need to offer a correction happy to put that in the description we'll make a post we'll make like an announcement post be like listen it's like you know the new york times whenever they do like a correction it's like a big like yeah. that's what it'll be like exactly i stand by those three songs as being integral to this book yeah um and like you can go like you go to my website like i have playlists for for my yeah, second book yeah. i also have like playlists for um all the characters in charm so like um you can see exactly which taylor swift songs i was thinking of yeah um but yeah so all right so we'll do we're gonna do another fake theme song of tr puzzle dungeon okay bring it on so this is a i just brought up the new york times this is on hand this is a listener suggestion we have the new york times the washington post and the wall street journal (laughs) oh gosh um i love (laughs) that you think i'm i love it like this listener thinks i'm like cultured and like read the newspaper beyond headlines i would so say like, like crosswords politics yeah. and finance yeah um i guess <laughs> i would tiara the uh the washington post i okay. would uh puzz with the new york times and i would put the wall street journal in the dungeon um, and everybody would be real bummed really would bring down the, the party dungeon vibes. I feel like, I feel like just based on who we have in the dungeon, like RuPaul, Kate McKinnon, I feel like they'd be like, wall street journal, you just go stay in the corner. No, actually, you know what? The wall street journal can finance the dungeon party. I like see. they're the, yeah. the sugar daddy of like the dungeon party. That's, that's great. And nothing yeah. against the wall street journal. Um, <laughs> again, says the woman who like, doesn't read any <laughs> news that is not from like, <laughs> them doc you know like I don't know yeah. I, all my articles are like auto straddled yep that's news if it's not like queer and easily located on Instagram I'm probably not reading the news yeah. uh, because the pandemic after like intense I think a lot of people right after like intense news spiraling in the beginning of the pandemic it became pretty important for me to like limit my news consumption yeah no, I used to listen to the daily from the New York times, you know, daily. Cause it came yeah. out and I would listen to it most of my, my commute, but yeah, after a month I was like, mm, I'm going to unsubscribe from this until the end yeah. of the pandemic. Just can't do that. Yeah. Yes, definitely. All right. Are you, okay. So are you in any way familiar with like twilight? <laughs> yeah, no, okay. I'm a millennial well, woman. I, yes. I don't I'm know. Very, listen, 
I'm so sorry. Thank you for respecting, um, that I could maybe not know what twilight is, but I don't know. I mean, no, I thought you knew what it was, but I know. Okay. So as someone I had, I'm, I'm a twilight fan now, but I was like a huge fan back when they come out. And then I went through a long, not like other girls phase. And so I know the, not like other girls juice is very strong when it comes to twilight and some people just missed it. I am 100% like other girls. I love other girls yeah. in all, in all ways. So, um, yes, I'm very familiar with the twilight franchise and I'm ready if this is a, a twilight related topic. Yes. Okay. So, so Bella, uh-huh. Alice and Rosalie. Oh my gosh. I not what I expected. Um, what were you expecting? <laughs> I don't know. I just was expecting like, like traditional, like something with Jacob and Edward. And I'd be like, well, listen, I'm trying Charlie. to like, I appreciate like, that. Adjust it for you. You know, I appreciate that. That's really great. Um, I'm going to say that I would tiara Alice. Okay. I would, and this is based on the characters in the books, right? Not yes. Yeah. Okay. I would, I would marry Bella. Mm. Um, so I would, I would puzzle with Bella and I would put Rosalie in the dungeon. I'm so sorry. Fair enough. I I'm am so sorry. I am like a big Rosalie, Rosalie apologist. I'm a big Rosalie That's apologist. Fair. You know? That's very fair. Um, I yeah, get it I though. I haven't read the books to be clear. I haven't read the books since whatever year Breaking Dawn came 2008 out. 2008 or yeah. Yeah. But, um, but the movies, you know, just like mm. um, her, her intense, like mothering. I don't know. It was too much. It was too yeah. much. Oh, the whole vampire baby. She was too, she was too enmeshed in vampire baby storyline, which is like it the worst storyline. So I just, I associate I her with that. I don't know if you read Midnight Sun, but Edward. I did not. I mean, Edward is just, you thought Edward was a dick before. I mean, he just really ramps it up before. Does he? And oh. he's so mean to Rosalie in his inner thoughts. And so okay, I well- read Midnight Sun and I was like, all right. I'm team Rosalie 100%. That's fair. I actually don't dislike Rosalie to be very clear. Yeah. Um, I do think she gets a lot of that not like other girls hate. Yeah. But um, because of her her involvement in the yeah. preservation of Vampire Baby. And like in the movies, you know, when like Kristen Stewart's like laying there and it's like so scary and gross looking and Rosalie is like, drink this blood. Like, just I don't know, I just the- can't. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know, man. It seems like this baby is like going to kill you. It's so weird. Stephanie Meyer really went full Mormon on Breaking Dawn. And I don't know whether it was for the better. Uh, Uh, (laughs) She made some choices for sure. I mean, yeah. Baby imprinting. Like that was a lot haunted for the rest of my life. Um, Have you read TJ Klune's? Is it Green River? Is that right? It's not Green River because that's like the Green River Killer. Why am I, I read, forgetting the name what of is that it, the series? The House by the Cerulean Sea and no, the Whispering he, Door. Yes, those are those the only are two by fa- him that I've read. Okay, those are both fantastic. But he has a series, and I can't believe I'm forgetting the name. Oh, Green Green Creek. But they're I'll like werewolf, they're yeah. like werewolf books, and um, I think the first one is called Wolf Song, and it's like Twilight, but with like gay male or gay male werewolves um and there's like still some kind of weird imprinting stuff that happens but um it's not as like it's not jacob imprinting it's not pedophilia (laughs) it's like jacob imprinting on that baby yeah it's it's consensual imprinting rather than like yeah I'll, i'll think about that choice for the rest of my life so that was I wrote, I mean, I was halfway through like 10 years ago, writing a whole like retcon fan fiction in which like Jacob gets his comeuppance for being creepy and like Seth Clearwater <laughs> becomes the werewolf hero. So like, I get it. I love that. 
Yes. I love that for you. I never ended up writing it, but sometimes it's just like in like the full stories in my head. And sometimes I just like take it out and I'm like, yeah, that's what happened. Think about Seth Clearwater again. Yeah. I'm just like, uh, he was. Didn't Boo Boo Stewart play Seth Clearwater? Am I getting that correct? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta love Boo Boo. So the name it's great and that's not it's even so his good. real name it's his nickname that he goes by as a stage name yeah if, if boo-boo was on like tiara puzzle dungeon like boo-boo would get puzz for sure like yes i love boo-boo stewart he was great in julian the phantoms and i, I stand by yeah him. he was in the descendants i i mm-hmm. the, i was babysitting a lot when the descendants was oh coming i have out, seen yes. so i watched like quite a lot of that <laughs> my my niece made me recently watch that entire mm-hmm that entire series I was pretty outraged that there were no queer characters in that series just to like completely yeah. tangent like I really felt like that was that was a miss because yeah there were like a billion different characters introduced in that three movie series yeah and Disney like villain like it was Disney villains were like the heroes and Disney villains are so queer yeah so queer. I, like, I just couldn't believe it I was I got to the <laughs> end of that series and I felt I really felt robbed of yeah. my decom queer rap that I just <laughs> somehow tricked myself into thinking was coming. Yeah. We we give Disney too much credit. Ever since, you know, they didn't give us the the Chad and Ryan love story in high school musical that we deserved. You know, <laughs> that's like, your sticking point. That's the one that you that's come back the one they had a whole that like, homoerotic sexual musical number song in the second that... movie, and they changed clothes at the end of that song. And yeah, yet, was, straight it allegedly. Was, yeah, it was a pretty homoerotic yeah, situation. It was great. It was great. Yeah. Okay. Last. So last. Tierra, puzzle dungeon, and then we'll do listener questions, and then okay, we'll wrap up. Okay. So, uh, this is actually this is book theme. So contemporary romance, historical romance, and fantasy romance. Oh, I feel so bad. I don't want <laughs> to do this. Um, I mean, I'm just going to go based on my own reading habits. So yeah. I would have to say that I would tiara historical romance. Mm-hmm. Um, I would absolutely pause with contemporary romance. Mm-hmm. Like she's my girl. And I would put fantasy romance in the dungeon. But it's yeah. not because I have anything against fantasy romance. No. I just don't read it as much. But of course, now that I'm writing a monster romance, I'm going to have to do yeah, a lot of no, research to... into the genre. And so yeah. I think exactly. I can see my, my opinion changing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that word, like, you know, historicals and tiaras, contemporaries with like it just puzzles, makes sense. fantasies yeah. with dungeons, like it, it's on brand. It did. Oh my gosh. It worked out it, so beautifully. Perfectly. It was fake. Yeah. Kismet, one might say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So we have a few listener questions. I know one of these you saw on Twitter because you liked it and it was, are you a fan of bunny chow? And now I didn't know what bunny chow was. I had to look it up. Um, I have only heard of like puppy chow, which is very different, which is like a, no, it's dessert, very different, not the same thing. No. But bunny chow mm-hmm. is for listeners who don't know is a South African dish with curry inside a hollowed out like bread loaf. Yes. So they so, eat it in the book, right? Like they're in yes, South Africa. Yeah, so, yeah. Yes. I love bunny chow. I mean, I'm like a big fan of anything that like can be consumed out of a bowl uh, made of bread. <laughs> so like, if that's the dish, like I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, but I had bunny chow when I was in South Africa and yeah. like oh you've been there it was okay. like yes yeah and it was like super we like hyped it up we were so excited to eat it and it's amazing and so that was why I like had to include funny chow um amazing in the South Africa scene because yes I love it 
Nice. Nice. It took me an embarrassing long time to like put together the fact that the person was asking about bunny chow because it was South African because they go to South Africa and they eat it in the book. Like I really, yes, like not until this morning I was thinking about it and I was like, Oh, I don't think I use, I don't think I use the word bunny chow. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't don't actually know. I mean, I, I edited things so many times, like mm-hmm. I could not tell you what made it into the final book. Yeah. But I think maybe when they're talking about eating the the Indian food out of a bread bowl that they don't use the phrase bunny chow. Yeah. So but that is what it's called. Yeah. Okay. So are any of the characters in your books, either one based on people, you know, or have met, you don't have to like name names. No, it's totally fine. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. I mean, I'm a. I'm a narcissist. So unfortunately, like most of my characters are based on me. Um, I think like, I, I find that I have to be able to relate to characters at least a little bit in order to write them and to like, yeah. um, empathize with them in the way that I think is necessary to write their story. Um, and so like most of the characters are very similar to me. I would say Parisa is like, I have absolutely nothing in common with Parisa. Mm-hmm. Um, like that is not me at all. She has like no part of me. She's like way too cool to have my personality. <laughs> and so she is more so like a combination um, of a lot of my very close friends in real life. Um, nice. But definitely more like slightly exaggerated. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. yeah. Nice. She is a very cool character that I'm very jealous of. And I too also don't think. Yes. Like I'm like, it's fun. I'm just like, okay, well, how would I react in this situation? Okay. Well, she would react the opposite. Just like <laughs> yeah. she's direct. Yeah, exactly. She's going to like say what she thinks. Mm-hmm. So she she's was going to give her write. friend like a bag full of condoms and, uh-huh. drawings, and you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Casually. Okay. So last question, what puzzle are you working on right now? Or that you okay. did recently if you're not working. Okay. On so controversy. I have pretty medium feelings about puzzles. Um, I know it's like shocking. It is like, I know. Um, I love them sometimes. And, but most of the time, like my ability to focus, um, Mm -hmm. and I have like no attention to detail whatsoever. And so I'm, I'm quite terrible at puzzles. Um, (laughs) but I know. So, so that aspect of his character is borrowed from a lot of people in my life. And my sister is actually the one who calls like doing a puzzle puzzing. Oh my um, god. That's like a real life thing that she would say. And <laughs> she like said it and I like put it in the book and then she read it and she was like, Hey, you stole this from me. And I was like, Yeah, like I hope it's cool. It's super weird. I think people are gonna think it's odd, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And um luckily people have been very kind about puzzing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, I had I got COVID. And so, yes, I had COVID and I did my, my girlfriend, like got a puzzle for me before she had COVID. Um, and then of course, like we had been separate, but then we were exposed from the same person. And so eventually she tested positive for COVID. And then really she actually did the whole puzzle. Like we did it together, (laughs) but like, no, she's a Virgo. So she did the puzzle and like, (laughs) my like, Pisces apps just like watched and like got distracted. <laughs> so fair enough. Fair. What was what was it a picture of of the puzzle that you oh it supervised? was like, yes um it was like books that were okay. movies that were funny titles I like okay. can't even she got it at, yeah. at Powell's in Portland mm-hmm. and so it was like book and movie themed but with weird puns yeah nice I I like that one I we get our my mom and I do puzzles 
pretty frequently and we listen to audiobooks and we like yeah. to go to um we get them from like goodwill and like salvation army so like there's just sometimes really just weird stuff there <laughs> yes i'm all about the puzzle exchange so yeah. like my friend group everyone is way more into puzzles than me and so they do lots of like i finish this puzzle like pass it along yeah. share the puzzle well. oh nice. so that's yeah and i feel like that's an effective way because then you can buy the like high quality classy puzzles yeah um and everyone does that. do an exchange so. wow can i join your friend group yeah, because like, none of my that. friends puzzle and like oh my gosh my friends know. are all about it and <laughs> especially like during the pandemic pandemic slash like whatever depression you know it's yeah winter yeah. is hard here so checks out checks out yeah yeah all right so that is it for tonight thank you so much for chatting with me this has been so much fun yeah thank and... you so much for having me thank yeah. you to everybody who submitted those amazing questions for fuck, Mary kill <laughs> caused me so much anguish. I'll, <laughs> I'll be thinking about my responses forever. So. Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't read the charm offensive yet, I don't know what you're doing. You're a fake fan of this podcast, <laughs> um, but you should read it and you should pre-order. You could pre-order now, right? Cause there was, yes, you me. can pre-order because there ones for me. Yes. Yeah. And so I will put the link to both of those in the description. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. Yeah. Have a good night. Um, wow. That was amazing. Thank you so much again to Allison Cochran for joining us today. And I really hope you all enjoyed listening to our discussion. We are hoping to bring more authors on the podcast in the future. So if you have any authors that you are hoping for us to interview, give us a shout out to our email at we read it one night at gmail.com or sign into our DMs on any of our socials, which are Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at we read it one night and on Twitter at we read it podcast. Um, we would love to connect with you in any way. So give us a follow, give us a comment, give us a like. Um, and also wherever you listen to your podcast, please do give us a rate and or review. Um, it takes five seconds to give a rating and it really, really helps us out and also gives me the little warm and fuzzies every time I see our rating has gone up. Um, we really appreciate everyone's support so far and we love making the episodes of this podcast. Rachel will be back next week and thanks so much for listening. Godspeed comrades. Godspeed comrades.